It had like bugs in it. It was fucking nasty. Here it is. Gearbuds podcast episode 128. Wow. It's a big old, big old even number. Uh, my name's Henry. That's Dave. What's up? We're just going to do our thing. Here it is. Symphony of Corrections. Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. You specifically listening to this. Thank you. We love you deeply uh, and tenderly. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here with us. Here we go. Touch and tips. Friends of the show. Story time with Uncle Hank. BFI, GFI, free stuff. Uh, wanted to give a shout out to our good friend and former guest, Balthazar Delay. He sent, we sort of uh, touched on it last week, but he had sent me a text uh, listening to one of our previous episodes where we were talking about uh, shipping, right? shipping costs yeah. and all sorts of crazy stuff. He said he's been dealing with a lot of that, specifically with Baltic birch for cabinets has been wildly expensive. Oh, with just like with the wood for shortage, the wood, thing? the wood, and 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 shipping them, the prices of everything has really? gotten way higher. And I believe he even said transformers and tubes have all been a real pain in Did the. Did he nuggets. say why? Is it a weight related thing? It's all. It's, well, I know it's the manufacturing, shipping, the shipping, it's shipping costs. Yeah. Everything's more expensive or right. just not as available as it has been. So he's basically right. echoing the things that we we're complaining about. Okay. So well, confirmed by a pro then. Confirmed by a total pro. Uh, oh, also want to give a shout out. This was exciting. A good, a good old friend and former guest, John Nunez from Torch, reached out to cool. me. Um, he is in the process. He, you know, he also has his, not only is he in one of the coolest heavy bands on the planet, he also has a recording studio down in Miami. What is it called, man? I can't remember. Artillery or ballistics or something like that. I think it's like artillery. something to do with yeah. guns. I don't know. But he uh, is in the process of trying to determine if he's going to do a full platform change to go from Pro Tools to Universal Audio's Luna. And he sent me two mixes that he did in like one in Pro Tools and one in Luna to ask oh. for my advice, which even that... So he has both platforms? He does. Okay. And, he, and, and even that, just like having this amazing engineer and artist that i respect ask my opinion on something that was cool <laughs> right uh but i listened and and honestly they were i think that they were both great mixes i kind of liked the luna mix more yeah and i told him that and and it, there's a chance that he might jump over to luna was it how noticeable was it like on a scale of one to ten i would i i did some you know deep listening on my fancy headphones and sure. monitors you know i wasn't just like listening if it was on a cell phone probably not that much of a difference yeah i would say that i heard some differences in uh, the sort of the separation with the vocals in Luna sounded a little cleaner and more okay. right, I guess, to me. And cool. then there was some top end stuff that was, again, different, not necessarily better. And then just overall, I thought that the, the the Luna mix hit a little harder. So I mean, that seems to be the way of the pros right now, man. Right? I mean, I mean, it's been Pro Tools forever. So, right. now, but now that so many people are using Universal Audio interfaces, just Luna like just we are works, as yeah. we as we speak, and it comes for free with that. It's it's kind of a no-brainer. The other really awesome thing about Luna is that when you're mixing with it, so like when I'm, say you're tracking with with Universal Audio interface and you've got a bunch of plugins instantiated in the console window, which is the front-end software, you have to remember to basically go and like turn those off mm-hmm. once, once you go to mix because otherwise the all the processing that's happening in the hardware interface, all the DSP that's happening there, it's still it's still it still thinks it's you're using it right so luna's a lot smarter and like it basically knows when you go from tracking to mixing it kind of just disables that and the thing that i keep forgetting about is that you can run plugins you you know typically you can only run universal audio plugins from the hardware when you use luna they actually run on your computer so you get way more processing power that way okay uh so it's it's honestly if you're i i've i've thought about it a few times i'm so built 
deeply ingrained into the Ableton thing that I've just been using that. And right. I really honestly haven't been doing like any mixing the past month or two after the whole studio shenanigans. Um, I'm thinking about jumping over to Luna myself, man. So we're only using it for the pod, right? We're not losing Luna at all. Oh, we're we're using the universal audio interfaces right. always and forever, but we are not using Luna at all. We're oh, only, I, I do everything in Ableton. Okay. Uh, but I've been thinking about jumping over. I wonder how the learning curve is either Ableton or Pro Tools going to Luna, like with the yeah. keystrokes and where things That's are. That's the thing. Luna, all the all the hotkeys are the same as Pro Tools. Oh, really? They're, which are different from what I'm used to with Ableton. So okay. I've used Pro Tools. It wouldn't take me that long, I think, yeah. but I'm just so fast with it at this point that it's hard for me to jump over. But hearing someone who's, I mean, he spent his career working in Pro Tools and he's jumping over i know a number of other big time engineers have done it too mm -hmm. maybe it's a time so that's a little okay. luna talk there exciting to hear from some friends um you know what and i don't want to get into this too deeply but i just wanted to say at the top of the show here you and i talked about some stuff that i've been through recently and i just want to say if anyone listening to this if you're not feeling okay like that's totally okay it's mental health issues are all around us right now and we've all been going through this horrible pandemic and dealing with tons of stresses and stuff. And I've been dealing with, with some personal stress and it's okay. If you're not feeling okay, there are people out there that you can talk to. And, and also I just feel like we're at this time in our history as a society where it's never been more okay to be open with the fact that you're going through shit. So sure. don't bottle the shit up. Right. There are so many therapists and so many things out there, resources out there for you, or just friends or family that you can talk to. If you're going through some shit, that's okay. Be open and honest about it. You'll feel better getting off my soapbox of that for now. Here we go. GFI, BFI. This is a GFI. And I love it. You sent me this. This goes back to another callback for one of our previous episodes about Darren Wall from the band Greyhawk. For yeah. those who didn't. This was so fucking cool. For anybody who missed that one, basically this dude was a bass player in this band called Greyhawk. Noah's this fucking weirdo, shady looking dude outside of the venue. Basically stopped him from committing a massive. Yeah, he was like air fingering gun people in the crowd, yep. or you know, people who were hanging pointing out pointing finger show. guns and like he was going to kill. So people. the guy followed him out to his car. He did have guns. There was a scuffle. He got shot in the thigh. Yeah, wound up getting. No one else got hurt. He's a fucking hero. He's a hero. So uh, this is pretty cool. So September 26th uh, at El Corazon in Seattle, Darren Wall performed their entire set from the comfort of Dave Grohl's Rock and Roll Throne. How cool. Which I don't know if anyone out there remembers, but Dave Grohl broke his leg yep. on tour however many stage. years ago. And I actually w got to go to one of the, I was I saw them Foo Fighters play at Wrigley while he was in the throne. Okay, yeah. And so it's just this like motorized giant throne with, it's like a Game of Thrones style thing, but instead of swords, it's fucking guitar necks. Yeah. And basically the story is that uh, Wall said he made a comment on social media about using the throne of future gigs, just sort of like jokingly, which caught the attention of Dave Grohl's management, which caught the attention of Dave Grohl himself. Quote, this is Darren Wall talking about Dave Grohl. He called me from the MTA, MTV VMA Awards and said, I'll ship that throne up to you at my expense. Jeez. There are three people that have used it. Dave Grohl, Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses, and now me. That's fucking legendary. Dave dude. Grohl is just the best, man. I mean, we, you know, I, I love to just go off about Dave Grohl sometimes. Yeah. Man. I love the guy, dude. It's Me too. He, it's awesome. easy. To, I mean, he's just everywhere. It's easy to like joke about him and call him cheesy or whatever, but yeah. he's just the fucking best. He's the man. Further proving that. Yep. So yep. love to see it. Uh, here's a BFI, but also a GFI. Don't want to get into it too much, but I just want to say fuck R. Kelly. He has been found guilty on racketeering and sexual abuse. See he's facing 10 to lifetime in he's jail. Done. He's done. Yeah. Fuck that fucking piece of shit. I'm so glad to see that he's finally getting some justice for his victims. Here's a good thing. I I was happy to hear about this. Gibson. Uh, Gibson Gives is their sort of um, cha philanthropic charity arm. Sure. Uh, they... Uh, have announced uh, as of a few days ago, I got the press release 
They announced a $300,000 donation to benefit students attending Metro Nashville Public Schools. The public-private partnership with Music Makes Us will distribute the donation of guitars and other equipment across those schools and their music education programs as well as sistering school districts. So just like out of the goodness of their heart, Gibson is finally not fucking stuff up and giving away $300,000 worth of guitars and stuff to, awesome. to schools and that's kids great. where that's, that's the most needed. Music, music is so important in schools, I think. It's just like it, we, we didn't really have good music programs. I had none. School. I I didn't have music in my school. I had like, I had, we had like I had orchestra choir. or choir, yeah. but it was never, there was never like a band, you know, like no. the way they have now. I mean, they've got basically like school of rock going on. In exactly. Some of schools, which, which is, is so it's sick. such a, such a good language. The way your brain works and the, in the muscle memory and all that, it's just so good for kids. Dude, so. Even if you don't become a musician, just yeah. Ha- yeah. Opening, making those neural connections in your brain help with math. They help with science, yeah. they help with language, reasoning, they help with communication skills. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything. I genuinely wish that I do. You know, I went to my fucking 14 years of Catholic school. My high school literally didn't even have a band. Like we didn't even have a marching band or oh, any of that kind wow. of stuff. I know. Really? Yeah. With the football team and everything. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. Now they do, but yeah. not when I was there. Okay. So very excited to see stuff like that. Here we go. I don't know if you saw this one. This is definitely a BFI. No, actually, no, it's definitely a GFI. Uh, here we go. I like when we can't decide. I know you tell me what you think. Okay. This is about a man in Chattanooga, Tennessee who, uh, I'm just going to read it. A Chattanooga man caused the police to be called to the city's guitar center on Wednesday, which was the 22nd of September. He entered the store and began playing various instruments, quote, aggressively. When asked to tone it down by an employee, he simply stated that he was, quote, too high to not play incredibly loudly. <laughs> that was it. We've all been there, man. Yeah. I right? mean, maybe but not in public. First but question. Yes. What was he too high on? Oh, it, that had to have been a, a, a an amphetamine substance. Okay, you think so? Sort. You don't think you don't think it was just the weed pots or anything? I think like the that? weed pots. If you get too high in the weed pots, you're kind of like, I might stay home. Maybe I'll like figure turn it down out. a little bit. Turn maybe. it down. Maybe just like you know, gently try a few things out. I've, I've definitely been stoned in a uh, guitar center before. I've been. I've. I, dude, you're like I, I can't think if I've been sober. If I've been sober, <laughs> exactly. I you know I'll be honest. I was. I never got stoned before work at CME, which I can't say that about some of my other colleagues sure. who have since been fired, but. Um, yeah, their stories. No, uh, no. Well, you know, because you got to talk to people and, you know, try to make those try to count deals money. And she, well, you yeah. know exactly what you're talking um, about there. But no, with uh, Guitar Center, that's just a funny story because it is. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, to be honest, especially in some of these areas where, yeah. you know, a little more rural it might have more access to like, the math and stuff, you know, dude, get too high. So like, OK, so we it's probably some sort of amphetamine. I think you're right. What what do you think he was playing? Right. Like what? Like, and you know, you know, it wasn't it smoke on the water and it couldn't have been good. No. Oh, if it was like not. really good, they'd be like, oh, this is great. Yeah, they're man. like, they'd probably be like, well, we'll just turn it down. But, but like, yeah. maybe, you know, keep, keep playing. it, keep it going. We'll, we'll get you in like the ice keep shredding. or something. Yeah. Um, man, what just like it? fucking I mean, dad blues licks. Yeah. Just like the, just like the standard, like major blues. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I was hoping in my mind of, in my heart of hearts, I was hoping that it was like some down-tuned doom metal or something Ooh, maybe it was but i can't imagine i mean i don't know they did there was no information about what he was to playing. be fair you'd have to like you'd have to tune and you probably have to get a pedal of some sort so yeah, there'd be more right. assistance i think it sounds like this guy just kind of walked in grabbed one off the wall plugged it in plugged into like a line six spider yep, yep dude oh my god i don't have it on here i'm so glad i just thought of that do i have it on here no i don't dude Speaking of Line Six Spider, that's sure. all we got about the Chattanooga. Okay, guy. yeah. Uh, I say party on, anyways. Like party on. GFI, go go fuck go fuck around. Go fucking center. turn it up. Just don't G- break any laws, that, but like go fuck. That around. the G spot, as we used to it. call it. Dude, I just saw that Steve Howe of Yes just recorded. There's a new Yes album coming out, mm. which I listened to one of the so- singles. It's it's fine. It sounds like Yes. It doesn't have the bass player anymore. 
No, Didn't Chris, Chris, Chris Squire has passed, passed away. Yeah. Uh, Steve Howe recorded the entire record with his, like, I think it's a 64 ES-175 is his main guitar, cool. plugged into a Line 6 Spider. Okay. And it sounds great. I'm sure it does. I Can mean, you imagine, like, he has, like, that, he's got, some, you know, some other really beautiful, like, an old telly or what, I don't remember what else it is, but then, like, his main amp you gotta, is just a Line 6 Spider combo, dude. It, did it say if he recorded, like, at a studio or at his own at his I own think studio? they did it at a studio. Because, he, I mean, hopefully there would be an engineer who could dial it in. Right. You know, you, you'd have to. That's what I was thinking, too. Not it's, that those sound bad, but no. it's just going to have that solid stadium. But especially kinda. when it's, I mean, you you know, he's Steve Howe. He has access to anything in the world. Right. And to know that he plugs his, like, super famous 175 yeah. into a spider. And it didn't it didn't specify. I'm hoping it's like a spider two, not mm-hmm. even like one of the more modern ones with extra features and whatever. Just like a like a is that a multi effects amp? It's a multi effects multi modeling amp. So it has you know like tweed and British right, and right. heavy metal settings and right. whatever. It didn't specify which settings he would use. No, well you can't disclose all the information. I mean you got to keep some things close to the vest. <laughs> but it, that was amazing to me, and and honestly kind of made me happy. Like just, just yeah. Just to know that the dude was using a spider. Now, like that any of us could go to your guitar center right now and shred on it. But not play. any of us could be play like Steve motherfucking Howell yeah, can. Yeah, dude, that's a good point. Uh here we go. This is dude, I was just I was just thinking about this and I I saw it show up in a form and I feel like this is this is a touch and tip right here. Mm-hmm. Man, now that I think about it, you had another touch and tip that we were talk texting about and I lost it. I don't know. That's what okay. It was. Uh I'll talk about it on here. Love it. Remind Perfect. me to say to talk about it when we talk about it. that. That and it's and that, yeah. Yes. We're, we're, I love how, how big surprises for how our, surprising for our, and for our fans today. Crazy we're being, uh, dude. Apple Air Tags, if you're on the fucking road, go buy some. They're $29.99 each. Put one in your fucking van, put one in your guitar case. If your shit gets stolen, if your van gets stolen, it'll it's it'll just leave it like it's like low jack, but for right. way cheaper. And and do for they have to be charged or anything, dude? They last for years now, really. It's, yeah, so oh, just I'm like totally if, just go buy some Apple Air Tags. Your phone can track it. Like you, it, you can make it make beeps and stuff, but you don't even have to. So like, if you don't want the thieves to know, like yeah. you just send the police. Like, here's the location of my guitar. Here's the location. And they're of our tiny. Band. They're like the size of a quarter. Or something. Dude, they're so tiny. They're yeah. like they're like a keychain size. So yeah. you would never, unless you know to look for it, you're not going to find those. Well, if you're a touring musician, if you're on the road oh, for anything, go buy some fucking Apple Air yeah, Tags dude. right now. They're, yeah. It's like it's a no brainer to me. I would actually, if I was like touring seriously and playing out, I would consider even like. Maybe cutting a little bit of the inside of the case and like exactly. stuffing it in there so yes. someone can't just find it and throw it out. That's exactly right. Yeah, I was dude. thinking the same thing. Or, dude, I mean, if you wanted to get wild with it, open up the fucking control plate of your guitar. Yes, that's even it, better. Throw it inside there. You that's know? even better. Like they'll never know under that the it's there. Under the pickguard or something. Yeah, dude. Fucking get it, dude, get it under that's that big tips mother right toilet there. seat right there. I love that. Um, yeah, or do, inlay it into the into the pickguard. I mean, then you'd have to get a new pickguard once extreme. that thing dies. But. Uh, I think they might even ha- there might even be a, a replaceable battery in there. Now I think about yeah. it. Either way, they're twenty nine ninety nine. Go buy. Some is it is it a thing. just for one or a set of two or for one? But they have like there's deals you can buy for. And it's Apple makes this because we talked it's about this a, a while ago. Yeah, I had one made by Tile, which mm-hmm. was the, like the bit first company that did. But eventually the battery died on that, and you couldn't replace it. And the Apple one's going to say if you have an iPhone, it's going to be like right there. It's iOS. it's like instantly integrated, no fuss, no muss. That's a great tip. Apple AirPlay. I'm definitely getting Apple AirTags. Go do it. Um, you know what? We've been going for a little bit, but I don't care. I just this was something that I wanted to do last week, okay. And we didn't have time because we went way far. By the way, that episode was a doozy. Yeah, Go check it out. One twenty seven is a hot. That was a one. hunk of meat. <sighs> Big old hunk of beef in our mouth. Uh, I came across this old Guitar World interview with Ingve Malmsteen, everyone's cool. favorite Swedish dickhead. Yeah. Who I mean, you know, I love that guy, but I'll, you, you also hate him. And he uh, in nineteen ninety four 
was given a blindfold test. It was August of 94. They basically played him a bunch of like newish music. Okay. Blindfolded and asked him to react to it. Hmm. And I just want to go through some of these reactions because I think it's absolutely okay. hilarious. So first of all, most of it is him talking about how out of tune everything is. Because I think he's got perfect pitch. So like mo- almost across the board, every single person he just talked about how out of tune the stuff really? was. Really? Yes. Oh, man. He'd uh, be hard to work with, man. Oh, uh, yeah. He'd be the hardest to work with. <laughs> that would suck. Are you kidding me? Uh, so I'm going to tell you, like, he didn't know who these who these artists were. He figured it out for some, and for some of them. But, like, I'm going to tell you who the artist was and then what he says. So okay. this was for a Joe Satriani song who, like, you know, universally acc- acclaimed Shredder. Mm-hmm. Uh the choice of the notes in the solo is completely overdone. This stuff has been done for 30 years. I'm sick and tired of that bending bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. He came out hot, dude. dude. For real. So um, they, he listened. They played him Master of Puppets. He knew what that was. Yeah. He goes, overall, the band has a great sound. But I think the lead guitar player is not very good. He can play fast and is pretty good at it, but his choice of notes and sense of pitch are very bad. I don't think that he plays musically or plays in tune. <laughs> I think at that time he would have probably agreed with that, right? And Master of Puppets, though, I mean, that's like Pete Kirk shreddery right there. Yeah. I, I have to disagree on this okay, one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, this he actually so then the, he played he was played Pantera's "I'm Broken," mm-hmm. and he didn't know what that was. Uh, he said he did say some nice things about Dimes' guitar playing, but then he gets to the singing, he goes. As far as the singing goes, I couldn't find enough words to describe my disgust. It's really not singing. It sounds like either somebody is shoving something up the vocalist's ass or something is coming out of his ass and mouth at the same time. <laughs> it's a stupid excuse for being someone who stands in front of a mic, sa- mic stand. Oh, man. He fucking went he in on the ensemble, dude. Wow. For I'm Broken, Poor which Phil. is a fucking great song, yeah. by the way. Um, then he got to Pearl Jam. Uh-oh. He goes, I'm going to dig my own grave right now. Well, this is 94, too. This Reminder. is August 94. Yeah, so this is peak Pearl Jam. I think the singer in Pearl Jam should eat some Pearl Jam. He oh. cannot sing to save his life. And the guitar player needs to seek help. The guitar solo is terrible. It's just wah pedal bullshit. Oh, <laughs> harsh, dude. But then he gets to someone that he actually does like, and that's Steve Vai. And he said, the guitar playing is really nice. Sounds like a humbucker pickup. I've never heard this track before, but I know it's Steve Vai. Steve's got his own sound and style. I spotted it right away, and that's what I admire about him. Hmm. So it turns out he doesn't just hate everything. Yeah. Uh, only loves the best only loves the best the best and man that the sounds like the singer is having something shoved up his ass or something's coming out of his ass mouth at the same time that's just i want that just i want want that stick and poke tattooed on my fucking leg quote oh my god something shoved up my ass. yeah dude he went hard on pearl jam though man dang that singer did he say what song what pearl they didn't say what song it was no i didn't i mean maybe they did in the article i just didn't write they got some bangers but yeah it's also like in 94 there were only i mean there weren't that many that vitality i think was out that's a good Oh, what was the it one before that? There was ten in verses and vitality. It, it was either verses or vitality. Stop knowing anything about Pearl Jam yep, after that. That's about where I gave up too. Which I think is most people. Even that's though fair. they're, I mean, they're like one of the, they're still one of the three solid records the out of probably ten or something at least, yeah. right? Uh, and they're, I mean, I saw them at a sold out United Center like ten years ago. They're st- they're they're classic rock now at yeah. this point. Oh yeah. And you know, big Cubs fans. I'm glad we got to get that one in because I was a little sad that we didn't last week. It was just there. We got so fucking deep on everything. Yeah, we did. I mean, it's it's nice because again, you know, we're making this effort to be positive. But it's like we're just if we're just repeating other people's negativity, we're not being negative. We're just we're just telling it's hilarious. Telling jokes. It's just funny. It's entertaining. You know, and I also think it's uh you know last week we had a short week before we met up. We did. And now we had a a nice solid week and a half before Mm -hmm. we met up. So it's like there's a little you know two extra days of content. Lost stuff built up. Yeah. And speaking of lost stuff built. 
built up. I my excitement is built up as you get your fucking notes out because I am excited to say my two favorite words that I get to say every single week, and those words are Dave's Docs. What do you got, bud? Give it to us. Uh, I don't know if it made it to the episode last week, but I did mention this last week. What? And you brought it up first, actually. What do we got? Which is so funny, because I had the hardest fucking time finding this documentary. Oh, Fearless Freaks. And I watched Fearless Freaks yes! about the Flaming Lips. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to talk about this. Are you? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, I, I, have seen the, I haven't seen it in years, but I've seen that documentary at least three or four times. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, that's good, because I think we'll have some good dialogue here, because I thought it was okay. Okay. Yeah, it didn't blow my hair back. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not the biggest Flaming Lips fan. I like See, a few I, of their I songs. I was at the time a massive Flaming Lips fan. I know it's really cool to like them. That's for damn sure. Yeah. You know they're definitely like the king of the hipsters for sure. I feel. Or like. they were. I feel like they got, like no one really talks about the Flaming Lips. I mean, like if you're like, to. dude, Wayne Coins coming, like it's gonna be the whole thing's gonna be like you know Converse sneakers and. Dude, I gotta tell you, like, I mean, obviously, like one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me is when I got to play with them. So like, that's, oh, right. you know, that's just a, a thing that I'll Jeez. always fucking brag about. Well, we you should know? we should talk about. Yeah. That what too. do you got? So tell me about the stock. Um. Well, I mean since you've seen it you can kind of help me along yeah. here but um yeah wayne coin obviously the front man mm-hmm. for uh fearless freaks i didn't know he had so many brothers yeah uh that was interesting his his the the star football player on the high school football team his brother mm-hmm. was the lead singer for a while that's right for and like three years like those first few records are not my favorite no and he's also like he admits in the doc he's like uh, you know this i was just doing this for fun these yeah. guys wanted to take it to the next level right. and i was like fuck that um, so I thought that was cool. The opening, uh, like, you know how they do sometimes in docs, they'll do the intro before they get into like the movie and yep. stuff. And there was a quote that I really liked. It says, if we can fool everyone into thinking we're great, maybe we'll sell some records. Mm. And that was kind of their philosophy with like, um, all the onstage antics, as you know, which I'm sh- and as they sort of kind of get into in that documentary, they kind of stole those from the butthole surfers. Yes, they did. And mm-hmm. the butthole surfers guy, I could tell was a little tongue in cheek, but didn't have the nicest things to say. No, he sure them. didn't. Um, you know, and he's like, they- they'll never be us. Yeah. Know? That kind of thing but that was i i'm assuming they were friends like you know they, were they started off as friends yeah, yeah i don't know yeah. i don't know where that all stands now but he days. definitely you know um for people who don't know uh you know they had a crazy on stage thing because they really mm-hmm. weren't that good of musicians right uh, well that's not true steven drozd is one of the i want to get into him too one of the world's greatest musicians the fucking unbelievable yes. the, the footage they have and that's the, he became the drummer i think in 91 or something that like sounds that. about right um uh, we'll get into him mm-hmm. in a little bit because he's he's like an anomaly dude that's yes. crazy um, so anyways, um, there was a kind of a famous story where they, um, it was one of their early shows and they revved a motorcycle on stage until oh the God. whole room. And I don't know if they did this multiple times, but the whole room filled with exhaust. Yeah. And there's a funny quote, uh, somebody the fucking burned rubber and shit. Yeah. Just like just revving it till almost to the point of it, like overheating oh. on stage, just filling the crowd in the stage with exhaust like gasoline exhaust which poisonous is poisonous fumes so dude disgusting. i would be so pissed and there was a part where um one of the band members was talking to the the guy who was actually revving it was uh-huh. like one of the you know the uh, roadies or something right and he's up there like revving it and he's like i wanted so bad just to let the clutch let go, go and let it go flying into the crowd and i'm like that's fucking dark bro dude that that also was kind of i don't think that i don't know if they get into it in the documentary but i've since come to gather that that was also kind of something that they stole from the residents okay the japanese art rock cool. band. they would do like there's there's footage of them like driving a fucking forklift into their sh- crowds and crazy. Shit, like wild shit yeah and but they were they were always chasing a spectacle yes yes 100 percent. like they knew if they could just be loud and do cool shit on stage mm-hmm. um they would absolutely you know just be like 
recognized. And just like bumblefuck Oklahoma City, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're from Oklahoma City. They formed in 1983. So this is also at a time when like... Dude, they predate punk- me. Their band is older than me. That's <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, it's it's wild, man. I mean, you know, and like punk was already around, but they were doing this like art punk thing. Yeah, it was right. like It was like a colorful version of punk, really, mm-hmm. is what it was. Um, And the songs really weren't that punk. I thought they were kind of... They were loud, but they, you know, they have like hooks and they have, you know, actual melody and yep. stuff. Not to say punk doesn't have melody, guys. Calm down. Easy, folks. Calm Easy down. in the comments. You know what I mean? I thought it was interesting that they were kind of known as this druggy band. Yep. And real, like, Wayne was like, yeah, I did some drugs when I was like 16, but really, I'm, I'm fucking clean. Yeah, he's not, he's not a big drug. And drummer, they would just so. talk about it. They'd go on these long road, you know, road trips and, you know, uh, tour and stuff like that. And it was really just about getting cigarettes and coffee is like all they were yeah. addicted to. So I thought that was interesting until we get to uh, our friend later. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought Fearless Freak's name was really interesting. I didn't know this. It was from a drug-induced football team that they formed, or a football, I guess a small football league right. with, with enough people to play each other. And it was half jocks and half druggies. <laughs> and they would drink beer and smoke weed and just beat the shit. It was just literally like, it was other. fighting with a ball in your hand. Exactly. It's really what it was. Because they showed some footage from it, and they were going off on each other, dude. Which, you know, no pads, not no to nothing. side tangent too far, no. but I, the, actually the book that's sitting next to you right now is this. It's called Studs. It's the Studs Lonigan Trilogy. It's... it's, it's known as one of the sort of great American novels. It's actually three books. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's written by James D. Farrell, who's from the South Side of Chicago, went to Mount Carmel, which is my high school. And I'm just at the part now where the kid studs, who's like the main character, it's in book two, uh, plays, it's it's in the like the early 1900s. So it's like when football, like the Chicago Cardinals exist, but the mm-hmm. Bears don't exist yet. And it's yeah. like, basically like you're saying, just like, organized fighting with a football yeah like no it, pads. the game the game that they just finished describing ends with the police showing up yeah you know yeah half the time somebody would just get injured and they couldn't go on exactly anymore. yeah so uh so this was a lot like that and yeah. this was the late i guess late 70s early 80s at this time they they kind of in the dock kind of cross over i was like wait are they still in high school now or when did like mm-hmm. When, when is it nineteen eighty three again? Because that's when the band formed. But I think some of this football stuff had been going on for a few years. Well, and it's that. all it's it's kind of interesting too. And I'm I don't know if you're gonna I don't not to try to steal your thunder, mm. but the whole Long John Silver thing. Yeah, yeah. Like he, the fact that he worked at Long John. He Silver loved for like his job at Long John. He worked there for eleven years. Yeah. and he loved it. He was he a cook. Didn't want to give it up. Yeah, he was a line cook, and he's like, dude, I just want to fry shrimp all day. Like, yeah, it's so fun. He he, and even when he talks about it in the I doc, just want to fry shrimp all day. He literally <laughs> just he's like he's like I just I genuinely loved this job. Yeah. So that was kind of funny. He worked there for eleven years um even like into them being a you know touring yeah. band well yeah they were touring i think they were touring for like three or four years and he was still working there yep. they would just let him you know take time off or whatever which is awesome to have jobs like that when you are an artist you know it's like to have that freedom yeah yeah absolutely man um i thought that was fucking cool uh so then they start touring a little bit uh this is kind of funny they call warner brothers on the phone and they want to talk to Jane's Addiction. Right, yeah. And they're like, we want to talk to Jane's Addiction. And they're like, well, Jane's Addiction is like, not here. here you and they're ones. like, okay, well, now that we have you on the phone, we want to get a record deal. Like, so they would yeah. call just to get attention. You know, they're like, hey, we're this band, whatever. And that actually ended up getting an A&R person to come to one of their gigs mm-hmm. where they were like lighting shit on fire on stage. They have some footage from it. And they're just like, they're like, I don't know what they poured on this symbol, but it wasn't like Bonham style. It was like a pile of like gasoline or something. Mm-hmm. And they're hitting it and like fireballs are shooting up into the air. It looked fucking dangerous. Dude, there dude. was, I once saw, do you know the band Murder by Death? Yeah. I saw them play a small gig down in Champaign when I was in school They're a Chicago band, right? I don't think so. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I might I don't be confusing think so. them with somebody else. But they lit their symbols on fire and Jesus. it felt it felt dangerous. Yeah. Like I shouldn't like they, they seem to have it under control. Well, that was the thing. Like for this, I'm like, okay, Oklahoma city, 1983. I could see you like lighting shit on fire on stage. Yeah. But anything like after like the nineties, yeah, this was like, like the early 2000s. Yeah. It's surprising that like they just didn't get shut yeah. down immediately. 
there was uh, okay so we talked about butthole surfers I took a little note about that just how they had a similar mm-hmm. thing and they kind of like joked about hating each other or maybe did um, oh some good vintage spotting uh, lots of Jaguars and Jazzmaster yes. refins because would ones. you get those for so fucking cheap so back cheap then, back dude. then dude I nobody mean, wanted them they, if I could like take a time machine I, I wouldn't go all the way to the 60s I'd go to like that era and buy some like beat up like all the ones. Sonic Youth guitars yes basically. exactly and like nobody wanted them you could tell like the paint was like all either original and fucked up or like repainted like neon green oh, like man. Just so such cool things, but then you could see it had like block, you know, blocks and binding. I'm like, oh, that's a '66. Dude, I want to fucking get a shitty guitar like that, but that uh, I can just like spray paint and do cool shit. Yeah, too. dude. But like, if it's like a real, but it's a real, one. and it'll piss everybody off. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a Jim Deerogatis spotting. I thought was kind of funny. Oh, I don't remember that. Really. Yeah. There's uh there's audio, uh, not a, a visual spotting, but yeah. there's audio from Jim Deerogatis 1994 doing an interview with them. And what's up, Deero? He is actually the one who starts talking about Zurika, the mm-hmm. Zurika record. Oh man. For people who don't know, yes. Um, I took no, I've never heard, I think I've heard of this, but I've done it. I copied and pasted this because like, I literally had to like read it correctly. Yeah. Uh, it's the eighth studio album by the American rock band, the flaming lips released October 28th, 1997 by Warner brothers, which is amazing that Warner brothers even put out a record. That's crazy. The album consists of four CDs designed. So when they're played simultaneously on separate audio systems, they would produce a harmonic or juxtaposed sound. The disc could be played at different combinations, also omitting one, two, or three of the discs. Mm-hmm. Um, each has eight songs, and they uh, consist of four stereo tracks. Yep. Um, so I Stingray actually years ago he took the time to compile them all into like all four of them like onto them one. Out. Oh wow! It's it doesn't work that yeah. well. But then I my my old band was like super into the lips, and we got four separate stereo systems and put them in corners of the room and like press play and listen to it it's it's fine it's there's a reason that it kind of flopped didn't quadra no quadrophenia was just mixed in like four points quadraphonic sound which is a thing but that was just a sound this is these are like separate sound sources each with stereo the cool thing i saw they showed this live and i'm sure you remember this they do it live Mm -hmm. and they they have like people i think they're like just audience members like hold the boom boxes yeah and then he orchestrates when to turn everything up and down well he that was that came out of them doing those parking lot orchestra yes. things where they would give tapes to all the people in the crowd right. and par- with their cars and then the cars would play them from their car stereos but and he would also it, it looked like he was telling like certain conducting certain times, like okay turn it up and you, turn it down like number yeah. one you go up and number two goes down right. and like and that's kind of and i thought that was fucking brilliant it's man. a br- brilliant idea and they they were always trying to they've always been thinking outside of the box and ways to both to make their music more interesting, but also to include their audience, mm-hmm. which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That was fucking cool. I thought it was also crazy how that came out after they released. She don't use jelly, which was like their big mm-hmm. pop hit in 94 that I don't, you know, obviously it wasn't on that record, but that Warner brothers is like, Oh yeah. Three years later, like just put out the weirdest fucking record. Like anyone's and ever they made put that on vinyl too. So it's like, you yeah. have to, you'd have to have four <laughs> fucking <turn laughs> four rec- tables. Yeah. <laughs> right. And four separate systems. Yeah. yeah, that's that's wild. They got into the movie that they made, a sci-fi movie called Christmas on Mars. Christmas on Mars, I have that, and like a t-shirt from yeah, it and stuff. Yeah, you know, obviously it's... Uh, I, they I, shot that shit for years. Yeah, it, it's featuring the band Family and Friends about a suicidal Santa Claus going through a psychosis in outer space. Yeah. Um, with a friend, he befriends an alien or something Yeah, like and it's, I think Steven is the... Steven's Christmas, the, the Santa. Santa, yeah. which is hilarious because he's so skinny mm-hmm. and... And then uh, Wayne is obviously the. So uh, let's talk about Stephen Droz a little bit. So man. yeah, that was so. That's my next thing, dude. Yeah. So Stephen Droz, fucking probably the, not only the best musician in the band, one uh, of the best musicians I've ever witnessed in, in any band. Yeah, it's because he started as the drummer and is just a fucking sick drummer. But when they hired him, they didn't know he was just like this good at everything. At everything, but yeah. then now he do, he hasn't played drums in that band for years. I mean, he still has recorded some. In yeah. fact. 
I don't know if you know this, he played drums on an Elliott Smith record. Oh. Which is like one of, I can't remember which one, from a basement on the hill, I think. That reminds me, there might be an Elliott Smith documentary coming up soon. Ooh. Got a good foreshadowing. But Stephen Drills, man, he is like yeah, um, the best at everything. He, Dude, one of my favorite things about him, too, is one of the main guitars that he plays. Still to this day, it was an Epiphone double neck, like mm-hmm. you know, a, like the cheaper version of the Gibson twelve string six string double neck. Yep. But the six string neck broke off. Oh, so he, so just he still it? just plays the twelve string, and it's just on, like, like a, the big like body. a stub hanging there. Exactly, That's and funny. it's an Epiphone, and no it shit. sounds fucking great. No shit. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, that was the kind of confusing thing about the movie because I mean, I don't know that much about the band, so. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of members that kind of came and went. Yeah. Um, I know there was a member that specifically left because of Steven's drug use. Yep. And uh, so if people don't know, Steven was like a pretty massive heroin addict for like six years. Yeah. Um, during the band's fame. And everyone else, it seems like we're pretty clean. He's been in and out of it, too. And, and so it's been Wayne Coyne. Uh, Michael Ivins is the bass player who like he's pretty much the only yes. other original. He's been the member. only bass. Yes, yes, yes. And then Stephen Stephen Droz, he came in a bit later. He replaced. Oh, I can't remember the dude's name. He was a black guy named Ron, I think, who was like the original guitar he replaced, player. Did, so he replaced him on guitar or drums. But then, well, I think I think the thing was he was going to replace him on guitar, and then he just was so good at drums. He played drums. Yeah. It's yeah. He, he's just yeah. the best at. He's the kind of guy that he's going to be the best at every instrument. I mean, piano. They show him playing piano, and it blew my fucking yes. mind. I was like, it was a short clip, like maybe ten seconds. I'm like, I want more of that. I remember I was in a studio recording with my old band with like a famous producer and stuff and the lips came up maybe because we had played with them or we're going to be playing with them. I don't remember. But he told us a story about how one time he was hanging out with Stephen Droz and just they literally were just sitting there and out of nowhere someone like talked about the band. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how like how much they loved it, and then they just started calling out songs, and Stephen Droz could play every single yes song, Jesus. like note for note on guitar, just like that's amazing, just you know, just like at request, just at request. He's wow. one of those kind of people. Oh my god, yeah, so not even just like oh I know like the chords to fucking knocking on heaven's door. He he knew like the intricate guitar parts to yeah. some of the hardest guitar, the shit that I would take me weeks to practice to even nail. Right, right. And he just could just bust all that shit out. Yeah, I mean it, it was really. Um you know, and, and kind of like the the dichotomy, I guess, of, of him being like so talented, but also high, I think is why they kind of talked about like why Wayne especially never really confronted him about his, mm-hmm. his, his issue because they just knew even if he was coming down from heroin or whatever, they could just wake him up. He'd go do his part and go back to bed. Like he was just always there. He was always ready to play, but he just had this monkey on his back yeah. of, of constantly being addicted to and heroin. And then there's that the the famous scene from yeah. the film. So there's a famous scene where he shoots up. Um, they don't actually show him shooting up, but he's he's cooking it up and he's yep. kind of doing all the stuff. They cut away when he shoots it. But it's the thing that surprised me about it um, was that he. I've seen a lot of movies with heroin addicts. Obviously, a lot of documentaries we've watched, and he wasn't like the. Um, it wasn't like uh, the Brian's Jonestown. Mm-hmm. Guy, you it know? was like like like, like so wasted and like so sweaty and like I mean it, the guy didn't look um, you know Stephen didn't look good but he he's so articulate mm-hmm. he's describing like you know doing the heroin and he's describing how it's ruining his life and he's like this could be I could just not do this right now and he seems so very matter of fact and very put together like yeah. uh, vocally and like the way he can like put his words together it really blew my mind as to like what you think of when you think of like a junkie you exactly know? think it'd be like slurring and just like no he's such a just a brilliant really brilliant guy, guy man um, so I thought that was interesting and then yeah Wayne never pressured him but then uh, they do show a scene where Wayne they're they're talking afterwards and i guess they had a big blowout and mm-hmm. they got into like a fist fight about it yeah and he's like i figured it, wayne's like saying he's like i figured if i tried to kick his ass 
that maybe that would actually hit him to like give up this shit. And so they did. He moved to New York and he yeah. got away from all his drug contacts in Oklahoma. So and I guess he's been clean ever since. I actually I didn't know if he was still alive. So I went and found his Instagram he is, and yeah. he's still playing music. And he's got kids and like he looks great. Looks like great. he looks fantastic. So dude, I got to tell you this little, one. The one again, the last time I'll say it, we're, mm-hmm. when one I got to play with them, we were like hanging out a little bit. And I um, want to hear. Wait, so who? What band were you in? This was in probably Vampires. Okay. We played the same festival. I like, got to play the same stage and stuff as Whoa. them. And so there's there's two there's two stories worth sharing from that. One is that so I was. I was with my ex, now my ex, but she was like my girlfriend at the time. We're just like walking in the backstage area, like of a festival. So it's like a big outdoor thing. And, uh, and, and walking towards me is Wayne Coyne. I'm just like, oh shit, like here's the opportunity. And so my best friend at the time was the biggest Flaming Lips fan I know. Like, you know, he's the reason that I saw Fearless Freaks and had right. every, every import, you name it, all that sort of shit. Sure. And he couldn't be there. It was like killing him. He could not be at this festival. And like, he was the kind of guy, he would come to all of our shows. He would fucking wow. drive us. He had work. He couldn't come to this festival. Oh, so I, I have a picture somewhere. So I see Wayne. I was like, hey, man, like, I, you know, I want to say hi. And he was super nice right away. Just like wanted to chat. He was just like hanging out. And uh, so we're chatting, and he and I was like, uh, and he actually, actually, a Buckethead had also played that this festival. He like took me on Buckethead's bus, and he's like, he like points, like, look at that, they're watching Guns N' Roses on the bus right now, and he Uh, put me on there. But so we're we're hanging out, and I was like, man, you know, I'm really sorry to have to do this, but I've never done this before. If would you call my best friend right now? Yeah. And so there, I have a picture of Wayne Coyne on a pink razor phone, which is what my girlfriend had at the That's time, hilarious. talking to Rich, who was my best friend at the time, on the phone. And Rich was like, so he sees. Did he answer? He answers. So he sees the call, and he's and, and when he tells the story, it's obviously a lot better because he's a better storyteller than I am, anyways. But he he's like, I saw the call coming from you know Celia, my ex's phone, and he's like, I he's like something about me. He's like, I just knew that that was going to be Wayne Coyne on the phone. No way. And he's like, and I had just taken a right. giant rip from a bowl. Oh wow! So he's like, I'm fucking stoned. And <laughs> like, is this really this, happening? He's like, is this really happening? Holy so he's shit! He's like, hey, Rich, man, what's up? This is Wayne, uh, Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips. I hear you're, uh, I hear you're like one of our biggest fans. Rich is like, uh, like, yeah, Wayne, like, what do you say? Yeah, and Wayne's like, well, man, so like, I don't know. Why don't just like prove it to me? Tell, like, te- show me how that you're one of our biggest fans. And I don't even remember what he said. He's like, oh, I don't know. I've got your late night tales or some, yeah, you know, some, some like stupid some thing or whatever. Or but I have a picture of Wayne Coyne on a pink razor phone calling Rich. Fucking cool. Second thing is that Stephen Drew was just like the nicest dude yeah. I've ever maybe met and we we like this was again like before people just had like s- cell phone cameras around mm-hmm. all the time so I remember I had like a digital camera or my mm-hmm. ex did yep and and we're like hanging out he's like oh let's take a picture so we took a picture together and then he looked at it, he's like no I don't know I don't really think that that's good of a, that's that good of a picture let's take another one oh, and then wow. like we took another one and he looked even worse like he than actually, that one. oh really yeah but like he did care enough to like he was yeah, yeah he, he wasn't like, like oh whatever yeah right. whatever he's yeah. like you know, we're like on you know on stage after they played yeah. their set and he like you know it's like I don't I don't even have I gotta find those pictures that's how it seemed like and, and that's kind of what I got from the documentary just going back to the band as a whole they just seemed like normal guys oh you know? absolutely I, I mean they're fucking weirdos Wayne talking about like. Like, he's like, you know, I, I was maybe he still lives in Oklahoma. I don't know. But like, I think he does. But, it, you know, I mean, this footage, I guess the movie came out in 2005. But it's yeah. like there's footage of him just walking around his yard, like picking, you know, picking up leaves or whatever. And then like somebody Mowing walks by and he's and like, shit. hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. And the guy like starts talking to him. It's just like such a small town yeah. vibe and kind of that that background. So it doesn't surprise me that those guys would take time just to kind of like hang out with people. You know, you know? I, it's an interesting point. I wonder if he does still live there because I know that he's since gotten divorced. Like his wife was their photographer and she's in that documentary a lot too. I know that they've been divorced. So I wonder if he's still there. I'm not actually mm. sure about that. I've okay. kind of ever, I mean, 
Soft Bulletin and Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots are two yeah. of my favorite records of all time. Yeah. No question. There are some records that have come out since then that I like, but for the most part, it's been kind of like not my favorite thing. I will say that I can, man, the name is escaping me right now, but their most recent record I loved. It felt like kind of like a return to form for them. Um, but yeah, since 2005 or so, I just haven't really like since at war with the mystics, I guess I haven't like been like the biggest, deepest fan. Like I used to be, didn't they do the backup band for Miley Cyrus too? Well, they, they did a full record called Hetty Fwens okay. where they had like had a bunch of different, um, musicians that they collaborated with, including Miley. They've done a few things. Together, or maybe it was actually. like, she did Saturday Night Live and they played, like, she did Saturday Night, Night Live. They played together. Yeah. Cause um, I remember that was a cool performance. They've, they've done stuff with Kesha. They've done stuff with a lot of like more modern. There's a cool scene people. of them. Um, cause obviously it's 2005 yeah. this movie, but, uh, there's a cool scene where it's like the modern time and they're playing with the white stripes on stage. Oh and yeah. He's, and Wayne's singing seven nation army through his bullhorn thing, yeah. but he's just butchering the words. He's just being like, that's a funny thing. When you were talking about Wayne's brother, too like being the singer for for being the lead singer of a very famous successful band wayne coin is not what i would call a good singer like he he's got a unique voice he has a very unique recognizable voice but it's it's you know he's often flat yeah and stuff like it's he's not, not like, a vocalist by any means no but he he's this he's a front man yes a hundred percent there's almost no one that i can think of that's a, a more engaging front man than that guy with how they're shooting confetti and he goes out in the crowd in the in the you know inflatable balls yep. and all that kind yep. of shit like he the dude the wearing the the fucking versace suits that he gets covered in he blood gets blood on him and, and then, then he, he hand washes he talks about afterwards. how to get the blood out you got to soak him in cold water for like four hours and then the blood yeah. just comes off but if you if you buy a shitty suit you're not gonna be able to get the blood out right. so he had to pay, buy the expensive yep. suits to yep. be able to do it yeah and he's like yeah and i mean yeah he would just pour like i don't i thought he like hurt himself but then the song he had blood in the lyrics i'm like oh he he did like something with a blood capsule yeah, or something exactly but um he's not like a pro wrestler stabbing his yeah he didn't cut his night. forehead with like a razor blade yeah but no, I just I the, the fucking guy is like an artistic genius, yeah. like hands down. You can say what you want about the band and their music, but he's constantly creating, always doing like you know he was doing home movies when he was a kid, yep. and like just always being doing something creative. So it's people like that that inspire me when I watch these movies. I'm me like too. you know I don't I don't know that much about the band. I'm you know I might listen to like a record or two, but to see that to see like what it takes to really just keep pushing the creative mm-hmm. process it made me want to get up and write a song. You know? oh, I love to hear yeah. love to hear that. Yeah, dude. So so what do you think, man? What's your what's your ranking? Do you, uh, <sighs> Well, any, uh, any, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we? Uh, yeah, no, I mean that was kind of my my last uh, wrap up. Yeah. It's just it was a I, I thought it was for for my first time watching it and watching all these docs over the years and and you know I my gripes about older docs versus newer ones mm-hmm. I think the newer ones are just better you know there's yep. more well done this seems like more like a homemade kind of thing it is yeah um I loved it it was gritty I thought it was decent I, it has some slow parts you know and, and Mandy fell asleep she mm-hmm. usually watches them with me but yeah. it was fine um so I thought as a as someone who doesn't really listen to the band I gave it a seven and a half yeah out of ten uh inflatable hamster balls nice and uh but then I also thought if you're a fan I mean, if you've must watch, well, you've probably already seen it exactly. if you're a fan, but watch it again. Cause it's a, uh, it's a nine, nine, I need half, to, man. It's been, yeah, it's been probably over 10, 15 years oh, since yeah, I've watched dude. it. I'm so glad you brought that one up for this week. Hey, oh, hey, Sophie. Hey, that, that's a good, that's a good way to know that Dave's docs is over. Cause Sophie comes in, decides and wants some attention. That's right. Here we go. Let's get into future gear. Got a couple things to talk about before the yeah. main story today, which yeah. we've been teasing and it's. It's bass related, folks, and it's, we sort of teased it a little. I bit. I talked a lot. If you guys, you know, if you guys like Henry more than me, you might want to turn it I off don't know. after this. But I, I, I'm there's going to be some good stuff. coming I'm excited up. to hear you talk about it. So first of all, I want to talk about this. Uh, those new Gibson acoustics came out. The um, what are they called? I think it's the 
Oh man, I don't even know if I name have the whole series written down. There's those those new Gibsons that have the player port on the top. Yeah, of the we talked about those a few weeks ago. That I got to play like some months back mm-hmm. or whatever. Those are now officially out. Okay. I'm getting so many ads for those on really? YouTube. It's fucking wild. There's That's four. Funny. There's four of them. I just want to say there's the G double O G forty five G writer and then the G two hundred. Are they different um, or just different finishes? Or what? They're different. So uh, bot different body sizes. Uh, the and then the G Rider has a pickup in it, and then the G two hundred is like an almost full jumbo. Um, but they're all they're only between they're all American made uh, between a thousand and two thousand for the top of the line, so pretty affordable. Uh, if you know, I just want to get your thought. So I'm gonna tell you, I'm just gonna read a little bit about it. So all of these guitars come with a player port, unlike other guitars with non-traditional sound holes uh, these player ports are in addition to the standard center sound hole so it still has the normal circle hole in the front of the guitar gibson promises that it will let you hear the inner workings of the guitar deeper under deepening your understanding of the chords and notes you play Uh, i don't know how do you feel about Um, that i mean well they're not wrong sound's going to come out of that hole yeah uh it's probably going to sound different than you're used to hearing so they've got that nailed down it's a marketing thing right here's the thing First of all, when you learn about the physics of sound, yes, there is sound that comes out of that sound hole, but it's not like a it's not like a a speaker, you know. Right. It's like it's there's there are things that happen above and below the sound hole too. It's not like it's just like the sound hole is where all the sound of the guitar it's comes It's not out. like if it's you punched out a bunch of, the, of holes in it, sound's going to just like launch out of or, all those and holes. but so much a lot of the sound from an acoustic guitar basically emanates from around the 12th fret as well like from the neck. So it's right. not just the hole. So Which is where you could This idea of the port like I've played it. Do you maybe do you hear a little bit better? Maybe, but I've never really felt is like it, I couldn't hear acoustic guitar well enough anyways. Is that the idea that that it's for the person playing it to be able to hear what yes. they're playing better? They're positioning it as the ultimate songwriting and practice tool. Gibson's words are that the player allows you to hear the guitar's nuances in more detail thus creating a new and immersive sonic experience the player port is kind of like having a built-in monitor right into the guitar now you can actually hear more of you exclamation point but that's marketing i mean look if you're playing acoustic you can't hear yourself you might have some problems yeah i've never once been like you know what i can't hear myself well enough while playing acoustic guitar i need another hole the other thing is that to me like that's that where that hole is is where when you buy an acoustic electric guitar that has like uh, electronics built into it that's just like where that little that that stuff lives so it seems to me like maybe they cut some holes in some guitars that they were going to stick some electronics in they're like well what if we just don't put the electronics yeah save a few bucks so i don't know it's it's like it like that's where the um eq could have been or something exactly Yeah, yeah right I don't know. It's the whole thing. I, they're, I like that they're affordable, well-made guitars. I played two of them. They sounded nice. I've never been the biggest Gibson acoustic guy, and they kind of felt yeah. a little more, excuse me, a little more like modern, kind of like tailory, which mm-hmm. I think is not a bad thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. When it becomes a matter of marketing and like you're trying to force the, some sort of like sonic innovation that to me is creating a solution for a problem that didn't exist, I, I don't know, dude. Well, I, I can say this. I've never played one. I know you had one for a minute, but I think we, we missed paths when you had it and then you got rid of yeah. it. I didn't get a chance to play it. So I can't really speak to it. But I can tell you this. Uh, our good friend Paul, a former uh, guest on yeah. the show, probably episode seven or right. something like that. He, uh, he's he got this like 1920s plus 1955 kind of um, oh, that Martin. hybrid. No, it's a Gibson. Oh, it's a Gibson. But it has a big cracked hole right where the Gibson put their hole. It's like at oh, the top really? right by the arm yeah. up there. And uh, he, he, dude, he invented the player port. Well, yeah, it, it was there when he bought it, but he's like, that was part why it was cheaper, you yeah, know, because exactly. it's a big fucking like not round hole in it. Yeah. 
And um, I've, I've played that a bunch. And I have to say, I, I've never heard any sound come through that specific yeah. hole like any different right. than I would. So, you know, I, I think it's a marketing thing. I think it's, um, it, it, look, at the end of the day, we always say if it gets more guitars in more people's hands, more power to them. Um, and now, am I going to play it, pay a premium for that feature? No. No. And, I, and that's the thing. That even the most expensive one's $2,000, which is still Oof. expensive, but not as expensive even close as expensive as acoustics or gibson acoustics get you what know? is like a new like standard gibson acoustic they well, don't have one for like a thousand bucks well that's what these are now oh but they, they are you know the they've got like the you know a hummingbird or like oh yeah those are, gibson, those are in the three four thousand, thousand yeah, right. range so that's when i think of yeah but i i mean do they i still I, they must still make like another just standard dreadnought i don't know i i honestly as much of a gibson freak i am with electrics yeah i've never been the gibbs biggest gibson acoustic guy so i just like don't really know yeah i, I just is. know i love the old ones i mean yeah, i've played sure. some old ones that are fantastic so if i was going to spend the money out that's you know and obviously everybody knows we're fucking vintage we're heads guys. on this show but yeah i don't know why i would buy it and especially because when you look at prices of vintage acoustic guitars gibson's they're not that bad not that bad no you could get one from so, the 2000 range easy i don't know yeah. uh you know maybe if you've got one let us know to, let us yeah. know what you think but Prove us I, wrong yeah I'm could you mic the a, hole i don't know why you would i don't either but maybe that's like some kind of thing that that would be super awkward like how the fuck would you yeah it's, no know. it's it's like, specifically for the player which again i don't just yeah. it feels like again creating a solution to i think you might have exists. nailed a, the nailed it on the head when you were like maybe it was a hole they made for something else and they're like you know what let's just fucking shine it up and <laughs> call it a new thing put a little bevel around it dude okay it. here you go have you heard about this um radiohead is basically re-releasing kid a and an amnesiac did not know that so they're doing this special version called kid a amnesiac cool and um i've already bought both those records numerous times so i'm not going to buy it again but there's i just saw that there i don't know what it is yet but it's called kid a amnesia exhibition and it's a video game that Radiohead is releasing with Epic Games coming in November 2021. There's not, there's very little information about it, but they've called it an upside-down digital analog universe created from original artwork and recordings to com- to commemorate 21 years of those records. Holy shit! So it's, I th- it looks like it's going to be on PS5 and like PC. And so stuff. it's like going to be legit. It's not going to be like a little like Nintendo game. Or I something. don't, I don't, I have no idea what it is. Yeah, there's, there's like a little. 20 second sort of trailer that just like you can't really tell what it is right, right. i don't know I, I don't know if it's an actual game or if it's more of just like an interactive kind of like multimedia type experience but radiohead is officially releasing a, a video, video game, game. Yeah. i mean yeah like when i think of that i'm like man i hope it's just like some kind of crazy open world thing where you can just like go do do your i own hope thing. so like, too they're playing like their music and in the background the and record like, somehow and interact oh, with yeah. it so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep some tabs on that yeah. because you know i like to play the video games yeah, yeah, and i yeah. like to play the radio and stuff that one, so that one won't get past you that will not get past me um last thing i mean i didn't actually take any notes about this but i sent it to you in stingray because i saw it and then i noticed that reverb actually put out a, an article about it that uh it's for sale in chicago the Who's Quadrophenia, you already mentioned Quadrophenia, mm-hmm. that Neve console is for sale right now. Uh, a studio Whoa. here in Chicago. I sent it to you in Stingray, or, and it's it's like over $300,000 on Reverb. Wow. But you can buy that. I miss that. Custom Pete Townsend console that he commissioned. I can't remember what studio it is, but they're getting rid of it here in Chicago. It must be a big one. Yeah, it's, um, oh, man, I can't Not remember. Not CRC. I mean, you would no, know if it was that. it wasn't. 
but uh, they are they're it's for sale right now. And, and like after I sent it to you guys, like the next day or two days later, I was like, "Find of the week article came out, and it was yeah. the Who's Quadrophenia Neve console." But if you've got a like three hundred and thirty thousand dollars or whatever it is, burn a hole in your pocket, you can buy that actual 70s neve console maybe heath at rock and roll vintage wants that dude maybe. maybe you can throw that next to the ssl he can just like have every <laughs> giant a, console 160 ever. channels it's, i can't remember what it was it was something like 16 by 8 but then it's been expanded so it's not like a it's not you know 60 something channels right. it's like it's big but it's not that big um but it's still gets out the know, tape measure over three hundred thousand dollars right yeah, there to dude. get that sound I, I saw a uh last night actually i was just cruising through reverb and i saw a like i think it was a 59 les paul for 350 350,000. Oh, I didn't even send it to you because I was like, we've gone. Over yeah, this we've already. seen them. But it's just it's so funny with that amount of money. It's like, good God, dude. And I was thinking about it. This is one thing I was thinking about. Yeah. You would almost have to have a broker or middleman to like do the deal. You couldn't just be like, hey, I'm going to meet meet at like somebody's house or yeah, like, I'll, ship I'll somebody have an envelope of cash or ship it. Like, I'm not going to ship that, you know? No. Oh, my God. So how no. would you even like do that deal? You know, well, I, the only ones that I've experienced were the ones at CME and people would just yes. like come to Chicago. Specifically and I'm sure they charge like some sort of fee to be like, all right, we'll hold it here and we can like have one of our guys sell it or something like yeah oh yeah for sure well i know that i don't know what that what they even have anymore but there were three there were two 59s and a 60 and two of them were commission you know yeah. or like uh, you know if, uh someone someone else owns them they're just being sold yeah on behalf of this customer via chicago music exchange so i don't yeah I would I wouldn't want to do a personal deal with that dude. I have fucking weird personal. I've sold some yeah. shit this week that I've, we didn't really get into, but I had kind of a little bit of a butthole deal. That's fine. I don't really want to get into. It. We'll talk okay. about it next week um, because we're finally getting into the main thing today, baby. Ah. And it's new base day for Dave. Yeah, Dave. Well, it's not new. Day. I mean, it's new to you, but it's not a new base. It's not new whatsoever. Tell us what we're looking at. It's sitting next to me within my reach right yeah. now. Yeah, um, I hinted at it last week. Yes. I, I purchased this, and it came this week. Um, it's a uh, well. I, I did a little research, and it's a early seventies. Um, I don't know the brand because the the decal. There's a decal over the headstock, and but it's either a Tiesco or an Ibanez. It's it's Japanese import. It's Japanese, um, and it's a it's a SG short scale, a uh, big fat old mudbucker on it. Fretless. Uh, fretless. But it's been converted to fretless, um, and it's got the binding, which I really like mm. on the neck. And um, I fucking love it, man. I. I strung it up. I wiped it down. I put, you know, I, did, I conditioned the fretboard yeah. right, right when I got it. The nut fell off, so I glued that on. Yeah. Um, although I think it's going to need some work anyways, so I might have to take it back might off. To, might have to sh- sh- shave it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think we're going to have to shave it down. Um, but I, well, and that, that leads me to, I have some, I ordered the wrong scale strings. I didn't know it was a short scale. I should have done a little more research. Which technically, I guess maybe it's a mid scale, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mid to short. 30 to 32 is, yeah. you know, it's, they overlap. But I bought short scale strings for it. They have to fit. I'm sure they will. Um and it's uh it's fucking cool, man. It's really fun to play. I brought it to practice the other night, and uh, well, tell us about why you why you decided to get it. Yeah, I I decided to get it because I haven't purchased something for myself in a while. I've been working my fucking ass off, yeah. and I was like, you know, it was only a few hundred bucks, and I was like, I'll throw this guy an offer. I'll see if he wants to sell it. There's been no offers on it on Reverb, mm. and uh, he responded uh, with he did the thing where you offer. I wouldn't say it was a low ball, but it was a, a good chunk of percentage mm-hmm. off the price, which I knew I was gonna have to pay tax. And, and shipping, shipping right. and buy new strings and possibly get it set up if it had any Maybe issues. Maybe a new humbucker or a new pickup. Yeah, whatever. just like there's all kinds of money I could throw at this thing. But um, of course, he did the thing where he responded with like $10 more than his original price when I offered like maybe $50 off yeah, or something. Right. And I was like, come on, man. Like, So then I wrote him back and, and then I offered $10 more than my offer. And then I wrote a little message, very kind. And I was just like, hey, this is kind of my offer. Like, here's what might need to be done. 
I noticed you haven't had any hits on it. Like if, you know, if you're interested in selling it, I'd be happy to take it. Otherwise, you know, no harm, you know, no, no bad feelings. Yeah. And uh, try to be as polite as possible. And he accepted the offer. So Dude, that's what kill him with kindness. I'm really, I'm really happy with it. I got it for I think it was 300, and then with another like tax was like 330. But even was, even still, like I mean, more than it just being cool and for a good deal, it's, yeah. it fits. It fills a gap. It does in it, your arsenal. Well, uh, as we've talked about in here, I've wanted an SG guitar for a long time. Yes. Uh, I've played SG basses before. I've never actually been crazy about them. But the fact that this one was, it had the frets ripped out, and there, it's it's not a bad job at all. It's actually, it looks almost professional. It's way better than I would have expected. Yeah, I mean, I've seen here. somewhere that looks like they took a butter knife to the frets, exactly. and there's the chips all around it and stuff. This is no chips. Uh, the, the fretboard is completely smooth. When I took the old strings off, I kind of like Love the binding on the fretboard. Love too. the binding. Actually, I didn't even notice that until I got it, yeah. um, which is funny, because we'll get into that in a second, because um, it doesn't have side, side dots on it. Does it does not have side dots. So I took the old... Uh, Little note, guys, if you don't want to use a permanent marker or anything too permanent, um, I took a uh, black acrylic paint with a very fine paintbrush. Mm-hmm. Actually, I used a toothpick, and I just drew little dots on the just sides. Little dots. Um, because if you know anything, you're going to need to see the side dots if you are playing fretless, at least if I am, because I'm just not yeah. that talented. And um, it fucking plays great, man. I, you know, like I, I said, got to play it, too. I agree. You got to play I, it? Out of, I mean, even just, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of intonation tweaks that we could do. But, I mean, frankly, it sounds in tune. It, it feels really good. It looks really fucking good. Yeah. I mean, for the for the price that you paid, it could have... Look, this thing could have showed up. It could have been a Hanks hanger. You know, yeah. we don't know. No, well, especially and the Japanese stuff from the 70s is, is a hit or miss. Shoot. Yeah, and, dude. and dude, I am very impressed with the quality of this instrument. Me it too. It sounds and plays fucking it's great. It's heavy, but not too heavy. It feels yeah. substantial, but it's not like it's, it's not, not like six a, a pounds. Toy. It's not, does not yeah. feel like a toy. Um, the neck feels really nice. It's got some good wear on it, too. Dude, it's, like, got, it's got, got an original fucking chips. badass bridge on it. Yeah, and that was the other thing. The um, Whoever, somebody put a badass bridge on it, which uh, is the Leo Kwan first version yeah of this if you don't know we're, we're not just saying like yo that's yeah, badass bad bro dude. like that's literally no, a, what they're called it's a high mass like the getty lee jazz bass is famous for having the the badass two which is what my p bass has on it yes that's right and uh which was you know around the 70s the badass one came out the badass two i don't really know the difference it's a little bigger mm-hmm. uh it is funny somebody because these aren't threaded saddles you can't move the strings sideways right only you know you can only put uh for intonation you can do them up and down or for string height but they put slots, so they must have taken some kind of router or something to these saddles, which is fine, because mm-hmm. now the strings are evenly spaced across the board. Exactly. Um, the neck feels straight. It's very simple, too. Just one pickup, one, yeah. one volume control, one tone knob. Yep. It's got the very classy wooden thumb rest on there. Or no, that is a grab bar or whatever it's called. Yeah, the tug bar, tug I think, bar. Is, is when it's under the G-string. When it's above, it's the... But I mean, it's the same, th- yeah. the same piece of, of wood. So I had a few thoughts on it. Um, when I when I first brought it to practice the other night, I was like, I'm just going to play this. I'm just going to plug it in mm-hmm. and I'm going to play it as if it's my as if it's a fretted as if it's a, my fretted P bass that I usually play. And um, the first thing I noticed was the scale was a lot different. You know, I I yep. don't think I've ever owned a short scale bass actually. I've played I've been, a bunch. I've been wanting one for a while. I know you've friends. been. I'm sorry about that. Oh, I, I stole your thunder I'm on that. Jealous. Um, but I will say this. I will say I had to. And this is also probably due to the pickup a little bit. It has this big mudbucker pickup, which is, which I like because I wasn't thinking about my tone at all when I was just playing it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I wasn't dialing it in. I was kind of messing with the tone knob a little, which That's I found yeah. with more of the tone off specifically because it has flat wounds on it. I get a more rounder sound, which actually is more prominent than when you put the tone up. In Interesting. A lot of, in a lot of cases, like a P bass, you want it up all the way to get that, that extra level and even extra volume sometimes. But I had it all the way back and maybe just a little bit dialed up. Um, I found the tone to come through really good like that way. But I, I did notice I, I would lose 
presence on the lower register, especially the first, second, third mm-hmm. fret, you know, say we're going into the song and it's just more of like a, you know, eighth notes on the, on the low string. I kind of got lost in the mix during those parts. Interesting. Um, characteristic of having a short scale bass, yeah. really, you know, you're, so I, I turned up the mids on the amp and that kind of oh, got it. Oh, we know how you feel yeah, about baby. those mid boys. Um, and, and the bass a little bit more too, just because uh, it, you know, I switched back to my P bass during the practice just to, Oh, what was the comparison like? I mean, come on. Well, it was, I mean, yeah. It was, um, this is a fine bass and it sounds great, but I mean, compared to, compared to my 62P, it's like not even close. Um, because well, it's, like, it's like driving a, like a, you know, a little, a little Miata and then mm-hmm. getting back in your fucking Formula One car. Like it is. The, form, it the is. Miata is a beautiful experience, it, but like you've got the fucking It's fun, creme. but you got the best. Yeah. The so, fucking howitzer. Um, so a few notes I, I kind of had when I got home from playing it that yeah. night. Um, I thought a fretless is kind of like driving a manual transmission car. Oh, I feel like you kind of you know the parts to your songs because because we rehearse songs that we've been playing for a couple years now. So I, I kind of wanted to see how it would react sure. with like not just jamming, you know. Um, and I thought it was kind of funny. I had to pay more attention, obviously, to where I was. I couldn't look forward. I had to look down a little more. But I also l- was listening more with my ears, and I was like listening for those tones because mm, you I have to. I didn't know if the intonation was going to be even beyond on this thing. Right. I still don't really. Um, it sounds fine. It seems like when you fret it where it's supposed to be, that's where the note is. That's one of the interesting things. And we're going to come back to this a little bit because yeah. I've got some notes about fretless that I've found on the internet. But yeah, like you're because you're playing by ear, it's almost like intonate intonation very much matters, but. You can you can adjust for it a lot more on a fretless bass than you can on a fretted bass yeah. because if the intonation is off on a fretted bass, like you're you're, you're stuck with you're that stuck. with that spot. Yeah, with a fretless, you can move you it. You can move it, and no one will know the difference. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I haven't really like sat it down again. I want to put the new strings on it that are coming today. Yep. Um, the short scale strings. So I think those will actually help it kind of just get in line more. Like yeah. you can see right now, I have it strung like a guitar. <laughs> like I literally wrapped them with the extra hangies because exactly. I didn't want to clip those strings off nope. and. Where it's going through the nut, I mean, that's probably like the first or second fret on a standard, you know, on a standard. Yeah, right. So, you know, I I definitely want to get those off of there. Um, Hopefully, I'll do that this weekend. Um, So that's what I really liked about it. I actually I thought of a few things. I said I said to myself, should I epoxy the board? Because you can buy epoxy. I love how it feels as it is. I do too. I do too. I wouldn't do it. I ultimately came to deciding no. Yeah. But if you do epoxy. You will get more of that Jaco Pistorius, that kind of wow, that wow, wow, that that yeah. boomerangy kind of you know uh, chorusy sound. Dude, you know what I'm realizing? Hmm. You haven't even mentioned the fact that there are two stickers on this bass. <laughs> I was getting. <laughs> and to you're it. a fucking sticker boy. I was on my notes. I was getting to. Tell it, me man. about these stickers. Uh, all right, so there's two stickers on it. Uh, for people who've lo- been longtime listeners, yeah. uh, they know that I have a serious hatred for stickers. On Triggered. Triggered big time. <laughs> and. And honestly, these, first of all, I'm not going to take them off. I'm going to no. leave them. Oh, my God. I'll be so upset so if you took those there's off. There's two little baby stickers. Uh, there's one on the on the, the pick guard, which is, you know, it's again, it's an SG, so it's got the little half it's pick guard on it, which we'll guard. post a picture. Yeah. But it's uh, it's got a Cracker Jack sticker on Dude, it, which and it looks, looks like, like it's from the 80s. Yeah, 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 it's got I kind of the reflective the little red uh, background yeah, with the, the blue sailor boy outfit. little blue sailor guy. Um, so that's on the pick guard. And then there's a... Uh, I, I, what I assume is a car registration tag yes. for California of 1982. Yes. And it's, it's half torn off. It looks so fucking on the sick, headstock. Dude. I love it. And I don't know if the original, I don't care if the original logo is under there. Right. It, it, even if it comes down to me never knowing what brand this base is. Exactly. I know, I know well enough that they uh-huh. all came out of that factory in Japan. Factory, so right. I don't need the headstock logo, but it's, uh, it's got a, a yellow, bright yellow California 1982, um, license plate tags. and it's yeah and it's like sort of torn off and yeah honestly i feel it like adds to it the thing is is you know 
we couldn't put a sticker on right now and make it look that cool because it's old and because it's been there forever and it's just part of the instrument. It's so fucking cool. And if you feel it, it's almost like, I don't know if they sprayed something over it, but it's like a little overspray. Maybe I think so. It's like, it's like smooth to the touch. You can kind of tell where you could peel it, but somebody like, no, I'm not going to peel it, but somebody like definitely like, Took their time putting that on. It there. looks it's awesome. nice and straight. Yeah, it's, it looks, it looks great. so fucking cool um, up there. It, it kind of makes the headstock because it. I mean, this was lawsuit era. Like that, that is just a fucking Gibson open book headstock. Yeah, right. You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's. They didn't even try to make it look any different. No, no. It's it. Yeah, I mean, it, from anywhere on stage, this would just look like a Gibson. It looks like a Gibby. Yeah. So, yep, it's got stickers, guys. Uh, Triggered. You know, I'm super triggered, but I'm gonna play it anyways. Yeah. Um, I love it. And you've, you've already said you put the flats on there, which that's. I put would the you flats. ever? Would you ever even think about not having flats? Well, on it didn't when I got it, uh-huh. and so I did get to play it for a minute without them. And actually, I had a Squire jazz bass that was fretless for a while, mm-hmm. um, one of the vintage modified series, and I had rounds on that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I love flats. I mean, they're just they just feel better, and yeah. I feel like when they feel better, they just play better. Also, the action was almost too low when I got it with the rounds after I tuned That's it. That's right, up. you said that. And the higher tension strings um, of flat wands, they have a much higher tension. They're almost like tension cables. They pulled the neck a little bit, so I did check the truss and it works lovely um, to hear and so did well it, it turns with, i don't know if it works but right. it turns. did it come with uh it because it doesn't have the no, truss rod cover no truss rod cover so i could i could potentially buy one i, I think it looks nice i know it. it looks like such a road warrior yeah um so yeah it doesn't have that and um i thought this was kind of funny it actually so i had the old ibanez rickenbacker bass when we played in volcanoes Make oh, i remember today. yeah the 4001 uh, and i only style. brought it i well i played it for a gig we played at double door and i brought it out for a whole gig was that white? It was black. It was black. Black I don't and white. Yeah, it was white. Jet glow yeah. uh, version. And this has this has a very very similar neck feel, except this is a short scale. It's a pretty skinny neck. Yeah, but it's it's the same. Yeah, I, I, like if it was long scale, I would be like, oh, this just feels exactly like my old Ibanez. So I thought that's what actually makes me think this might be an Ibanez. Maybe the guy doesn't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. Also, that uh, yeah, we were pl- we covered California Waiting by the Kings of Leon, uh, and I went home yeah. and played that, and I was like, I played along with it, and I was like, yeah, this feels. Just I forgot like, about that. Just wow. like back in the day, I have a weird weird memory. Speaking of, Brad texted me this morning, telling oh. me uh, it, this is a quick little funny aside. It just question. It was, what would you say if I told you that I've been really into the. Uh, sad whatever the sad album the new john mayer sad boy record is i was like well i'd say you're a pretty big fucking dork but also <laughs> nice. maybe i need to listen to that record now yeah i mean if brad's into it i'll sad, give it a chance sad core or something i can't remember what it's called shout out brad we sad know you're, brad. We we know you're not listening definitely not listening um, he probably didn't even listen to the episode that he was on so uh one last thing i was curious yeah. about and i don't know if you do and if you don't no worries because i'll just buy some do you have any standard strap pins you would be willing to donate to the dave base i probably do that maybe you I replaced might. with strap locks. And Honestly, maybe yeah, there's a very good chance that I do. Um, because this has like the rounded ones and they suck. Oh, that the round. They, I don't know why does anyone ever make the rounded. Is ones? that was that for like a strap lock at some point? I don't maybe? know. I don't. I would have to look at these ones. But I've had rounded ones where they just sort of like the do straps they fall, just off? fall off. And I even have my little I rubber. See, you got your little girl she's on there. I got my girl rubber washers on there. Had four. Had four girls the other night. No, just kidding. I actually had them saved. Yeah. And um, but I put that on there and and it still fell off. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll see if Hank has some standards. I pro- Otherwise, I'll I probably do. Honestly, I mean, I can get them for a dollar on yeah. eBay or something. But. Um, yeah, so that's the story, man. It's the SG fretless copy. Um, I'm so oh, stoked that you got this thing. So again, going back to, you know, we kind of talked before I got it and I was like, maybe I'll replace the pickup or maybe I will drill out 
um, throw a little jazz pickup, throw a jazz pickup down by the bridge or something, just to kind of fuck mm-hmm. with it because I can. Because it's because it's such a player and you got it for such a good deal. It wouldn't be the end of the world. It if wouldn't you had hurt to make it. A it's already had the a, frets ripped out exactly, of the neck. So yeah. anybody who's like whatever collectability this was supposed to have, it doesn't have it. And it, like you said, I mean, make it yours. Play, yep. Make it how you want it, and then if not, then you'll you'll st- at the very least you'll no problem get the money back that you put into yeah, this. Yeah, I think so. So um, that being said. I like the pickup. I don't think I don't think changing the pickup is going to solve my issue with with the bottom end not filling out in the band. I mm-hmm. think that's a short scale issue. It might be, yeah. And it it's actually octave funny. pedal. All oh, right, it's actually funny to me because I feel like short scale basses are such a trend right now. Oh, big time! Like our boys in Hembry all play them, mm-hmm. and like they've got like two. Justin different- Meldel Johnson. Yeah, he, yeah. That's like all he plays is short scale, and it, you know it works with certain types of music, and especially if you're playing with a pick. But for like loud rocking, I mean, I play with a really loud drummer too, so loud rock and stuff. It definitely was different. Um, it definitely didn't fill out the sound. I don't know if replacing that pickup, even if something, because DiMarzio makes one that fits right in there mm-hmm. just like that. It's a black right. It's a black one. You've probably seen it. And with the exposed pole pieces, that, I, I think I could get one and put it in for like, you know, 90 bucks or something. But I'm like, I don't know if that's going to solve my issue. I think the scale is the issue that I'm, that I'm mm-hmm. dealing with, my ear is dealing with. And then as far as the jazz route i think i'm gonna hold off for now until i can get it done like somewhat professionally yeah, so right. it looks clean because this this place is too cool Dude, to we just can get up. stingray to do that shit. yeah that's what i was thinking yeah. um but that'd be cool and yeah so i think like a really like an old like a vintage jazz pickup you know an old demarzio and i love the sort of like cool. semi-reflector knobs those are very yep. unique the knobs are original very cool they look like they're for like an old radio or something and it's just this like i'm guessing it was red but it's faded to that like brown 70s gibson color that happens so here's what's funny so um we were kind of talking about right when i got here because i didn't know the year exactly yeah. and i found an identical one because i kind of looked at the tuners i looked at it really close the made in japan neck plate oh this also isn't neck through that's the only other thing that's not a gibsony about mm-hmm. it it's a bolt-on but i found one on reverb just popped up in my feed literally yesterday somebody sanded the finish off and it's just like bright red almost that like 335 cherrywood mm-hmm. red underneath it but then they I didn't like do the, the way neck. it looks right now. No, I'm not touching yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking, like it looks like it's it's seen some bars and some cigarettes. It smoke has, man. And, you know, um, and at the end of the, the day, thing. so going back to Pearl Jam a little bit, I want to shout out to my boy Jeff Amend. People, I mean, I got to be honest, man. My approach to playing this thing, and I kind of told you when I got here, I'm not trying to get all funky and like play like fretless riffs on it. I use it as a rock bass, so I'm playing eighth notes on it. I'm playing straight up the same way I'd play my P bass. And I found it does a really good job of not really, you can't tell the difference, right? mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think, I think Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam did a great job of that. We're really, except for at the end of Evenflow, it's kind of the only time you can really tell he's playing a front yeah, list because right. he goes, you know, yeah. very, very And hits that harmonic and then exactly. So Dude, that's like perfect transition into the little bit of fretless research that I've done. Let's hear it, Knowing that this was going to be the main topic today, I want to share some ideas. I want to get into a little bit. So I was basically, I, I watched a bunch of videos. I read a bunch of articles, yeah. watched some like bass lessons. Just like standard fretless type stuff, fretless and one-on-one? Kind of. And and it was, but it was also like fretless from uh, the one video, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was like fretless from a dude who's been playing predominantly fretless for like decades. Right. And so I've, I've got a couple different things here that that he talked about and some other people talked about that are, are sort of like here, if you're going to get into fretless, here are some things that Did you Did you get his know. name? You know I could figure it out. That's I don't okay. fucking remember. Right. Um, but the what, the main thing then we that you've already sort of talked about that players like Pino and Jocko and Les Claypool and Tony Franklin, Tony Franklin, Jock, uh, yeah, Richard uh, Bona is this other guy that I came across. Stanley Clark, Stanley Clark. Yeah. like the, one of the main things that they all are masters of is playing in tune. The thing that that you that you come to find that becomes very important is because again, so like playing in tune means 
it's you like normally you've got all this space on 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 the fret or in the space in between like where the wood is in between the frets where you can hit it anywhere and it's going to sound basically in tune that's not the case on a fretless yeah. bass you're supposed to basically play right over the line and so like that's one of the things that people talk about is do you want your fretless neck to be lined or unlined lined well, yours or is of course technically like, lined. pulled out so yes. it's lined you can see those things on there so but they'll um, they'll put them in for you at some like if you get a custom one exactly built. yeah and so what they talk about is that technique becomes paramount normally when you play bass you can sort of like strangle it palm it in, in the palm of your hand which mm -hmm. is bad technique and you still can play in tune but mm -hmm. it becomes much more important to play properly where you we kind of pull your hand over leave the space behind the back of the neck so that when you're fretting like you're saying you don't even have to think about it as much if you're if you're using proper technique you're going to play in tune yeah and i uh, mash with my fingers because i have terrible technique yeah and I, I did notice i have to push a little harder than than usual to get yeah to get but a good basically ring. the main thing is as i'm sure obviously you and most people would imagine but you have to play directly over the fret to, to 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 be right however that means that your intonation has to be perfect because mm -hmm. what happens is and this is the second point is if your intonation is off a little bit like you said you can you can futz it and you can like move it around yep. but if you don't want to have to think about that right what's going to happen is if you're in if your intonation is a little flat let's say you're going to have to play when you get down lower on the neck towards the first second where the third first second and third frets would mm -hmm. be you've got to be a little bit behind where the fret is and then uh, Conversely, if you go up the neck and you want to play in tune, then you're going to have to be past where the fret yes. is supposed to be. But if you've got your intonation dead nuts, you don't have to think about that as much. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So basically, it's the same thing as the same way as you'd set intonation any other way. You just make sure that when you're like, you know, where you fret the note and then you hit the harmonic and then you have to make those two match. Make sure that you're fretting directly over where the 12th fret would be. Otherwise, when you set the intonation, you're going to be fucking yep. off. Yep. Uh, this was something that I did not think about, and this is more for people playing in like pickup bands or sessions. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the idea of reading a chart oh, when you're wow. playing fretless, and how that becomes way harder because what happens is, is you have to look down. Like mm -hmm. you can't, it, you don't have as much muscle memory. You don't, you don't have the the safety net of oh, having dude. a fret there. Countless amount of times I was off by a fret, like exactly one, one whole fret. So what you have to do is rather because like say you're playing in normal playing position and then you have to like look down and then look away from the chart and then look back up to look to the chart what what the lesson that i watched was was that you're supposed to turn your whole body and point the neck of the base at the chart mm -hmm. so that the same place where you have to look down is in the same line of sight eye level with where the chart's going to be right so instead of like looking down pulling your head away from the base and then having to pull, pull back yeah pull back up to get the chart you basically line up where the neck is like point the headstock at the chart and then oh. that way you're always sort of looking in the it's right direction. It's always in your in your field little, of view. Little tip there. That's cool. Uh, That's he, there's there's we talked about the lines. This idea of lines or no lines. It's kind of it might. I almost feel like it would be kind of like a, uh, like an ego or tough guy thing to be like. I don't need any fucking right, lines on right. my base, but dude, fuck that. Get some lines on there as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I mean, like, or either way, if, in it, order if, it, to look. if it has them, it's and, doesn't and make it. The it's side markers wheels. are important, but again, like if you put the side markers where the dots are, you still have to remember to go in yes. front of that. You can't go where the dots are. Which unless, I did. I, I put them exactly where the dots are yeah. on the fretboard, but I wanted, I knowing in my head, I have to go That you a have to compensate for that. Inwards, yeah. Um. So yeah, if you're, if you're as, I mean, dude, even Jocko's base, like there were lines, even though the, those frets were filled, like there were lines on You there. could see it, yeah, absolutely. So it's, you're not any cooler because you don't have lines no, on there. No, it's not. And then you'll be more in tune. It's so. just as hard to play with or without lines. And I've, I've played completely online ones, yeah. like the, like the, all the 70s P bases that were fretless. Yes. 
were not lying, and they look fucking cool. I got to admit. Oh, they look super um, cool. And then in the eighties, the uh, Japan reissued the the online jazz bass. Oh, did they really? Yeah. So you can pick one of those up. Not too not too expensive, but um, yeah. I mean, you know, I think as long as I have my side dots, I'm good to go. And I it also so depends too. on your technique and how you hold it. Like if it's way down here, it's different than if it's nice and tight. Absolutely. You can see it up here, but like a bow tie. I, the last thing that I came across, and I think that this is perhaps the most important, is control your urges. Mm. And it's like you were saying, you can play this just like it's like a regular bass. Yeah. You don't have to. It's like it's like having a whammy bar on your guitar. Just because the whammy bar is there doesn't mean you have to fucking dive bomb every yep. time you play a note. Like do less. Yeah. With the fretless, I mean, especially with vibrato, because you can do like the really wide, seasick, yeah, horrible vibrato that nobody wants to hear. Mm-mm. You can solo the shit out of that thing, which is fine. <laughs> but like, instead of instead of doing the seasick thing, just like rotate the end of your finger. Don't like yeah. do the wow 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 because yeah. then you're gonna sound like you've got a vibrato pedal, which could be cool like once a set maybe. But like, it's I think when you have a fretless, the urge is gonna be there to do a whole lot of fretlessy yeah. stuff. When it's like, no, you're still just a bass player. Like play bass, don't play fretless yeah. bass. Yeah, I, that's the way I approached it was to play it exactly how I play, but let the natural tones of not having yeah. a fret come come through that. Which right? is the point of the beautiful. I mean, that's a beautiful reason why you want the fretless to be. And there were with, certain right? songs, man. There's a song where I use, uh, which we went over like a few weeks ago, where I, I use um, the micro synth, mm-hmm. where it's like that really synthy kind of uh, fuzzy Ooh, tone. I bet that's sick. And it's fretless. like this kind of boo do 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 kind of this rolly baseline thing and it's i was like oh it just just playing it normal and it just had this extra like edge of like coolness to it so i kind of can't go back to playing that on a normal bass dude now you're now you're the gotta be that guy that always has multiple bases at the gig maybe i'll get the double neck and get the fretless on one and oh my god because that's my style you know and that's not gonna gonna hurt your back at all it's not gonna weigh 25 pounds (laughs) yeah man um Dude, I am so fucking excited for you that you Thanks, got this. Buddy. I'm also, I'll be honest, I'm fucking jealous, dude. I yeah. want, I, I, I want, I've been wanting a short scale. You know, I mean, I love my fucking SGs and everything. I love my fucking old Gibson stuff. Mm-hmm. It just looks fucking sick. It's got cool stickers on it. It's, it was fun to play for me. And I've like, I'm not a fretless player yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I was able to sort of make it sound in tune right away. It's, it's honestly one of your best buys since i've known you thanks say, man dude. yeah i'm excited too it's uh, like i said I, I don't buy stuff very often and i feel like you know especially with this show like you go through so much gear and we always have stuff to talk about and i was like i didn't buy it because of that but i was like oh i was really excited because we we do have a platform to talk we about do have now. a platform um, and people can learn from it and maybe they're maybe maybe you're going to single-handedly cause the fretless resurgence and one more tip i will say yeah um which i almost let slide by what do you got uh i bought Amazon used strings. Oh, that's this. right. That so is that is the tip that for, I wanted to. For remember. anybody who knows, uh, fr- flat ones are fucking expensive. Like oh, a yeah. brand new set. I mean, all bass strings in general yeah, are pretty fucking. expensive. They are, yeah. But like, you can get rounds for like you know twenty twenty five bucks. Yeah. But the uh, the flat ones start at like thirty dollars, like at even least, for the cheap Fender yeah. ones. So I like uh, the Diodario Chromes are like the heaviest duty, kind of the mellowest, uh, you know, the the thumpiest of all mm. that I, that I've tried. I also thought the Roto Sound seventy sevens had a nice thump to them, but um, they're a little higher tension, but I will say for these, I saw, I clicked on Amazon. I was like, well, I want to get them delivered. Cause this thing's coming Monday. I've got to like buy them on Saturday. So they'll be here in time. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't want to like dick around with like, you know, I wanted to just clean it up and set it up and then decide if I was going to keep it or not. Right. And, um, the used, so the used section on Amazon, you know, they said used yeah, option. I had no idea. It was like $15 off. I think I got them for like $30 shipped instead mm-hmm. of like 45 because after tax and you know all that crap, they were forty five bucks. I'm like fifty bucks for a three hundred dollar guitar. Like, yep. it doesn't make sense. 
And uh, they came, and obviously the um, the so the cardboard package is ripped, but they were still hermetically sealed That's in the awesome, bag. Dude. So. Uh, actually, the, sh- the set of short scales, I'm rolling the dice twice, but I ordered another pair of uh, used. used. They're, t- they're called used, but I think they open them at the factory or open something. Open box or whatever. Open box, yeah. but as long as the bag's not open, I'm I'm fine. So they weren't clipped or anything. Dude, even if they were, I mean, that's the thing. These old strings like, or flat one, flat one strings, you kind of want the old sound. You and do. you're going to, I mean, you'll probably never change the strings on this bass, right? No, no. And I haven't changed them on any of my other ones either. Um, the, in fact, the, the chromes on my jazz bass... I have the exact same strings on my jazz bass and they're like, like all the nylons worn off the top and yeah. they're just like, they're not going anywhere, you know? But, um, yeah. So, I mean, Amazon used for strings, as long as the bag's sealed, I mean, you're kind of screwed if, if you're screwed, like if you get a bag, you could set, probably return them if you didn't, yeah, you the, them, right? Yeah. There actually is a return facility in Chicago, now, yeah. which I didn't know. But, um, yeah, so I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, that That's a I, great tip. Honestly, I never in a million years would have thought to buy used strings, but it's like, yeah, if it's just the outer package, who gives a shit? Dude, there are some companies, like TI is a company who makes flat wands. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess, okay, if you're investing in them, you're going to keep them on your base forever. Yeah. But let's say you're trying them out. Uh, used is the way to go, but TI, like if you buy a brand new set of TI flats, they're like $80. Yeah, dude, dude that's it's expensive. Crazy. You can buy a whole base for that. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, so... Wow. Well, yeah, thanks man. for bringing this over, man. I got, I'm excited that I got to play yeah, it. I'm excited a that you have it. Oh, yeah, I will. And uh, you folks, thanks for being here. Thanks for making it to the end with us. And if you did make it this far, why don't you go make some music? <laughs>